0: All right, the title of our talk tonight is called Marked by God. Marked by God. Now, even though the contents of tonight's message is going to come out of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, I want to just start off with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It reads like this, And when you heard the word of truth... The gospel of your salvation, when you heard about Jesus Christ, when you heard about him dying on the cross, when you heard about this, and then you believed in Christ, watch this, you were marked. Everybody say, I was marked. Say it again, I was marked. I was marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. So if at any point of your life, and we might have some people here tonight that's just kind of checking us out, uh, trying to figure out if uh, this is something you want to be a part of. Uh, church is new. Christianity is new. Um, keep on listening. Keep on trying to figure us out. Um, but for those of you that have already made that decision at some point in your life, where you have told the Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I, I, want, I want to serve you. At that moment, you were marked. So every single child of God has a mark on them, a seal on them. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where it's at, I don't know if it's like a tattoo on our arm, I I don't know. Okay, I don't know. All I know is that the Bible says you were marked with a seal. So all of us, we have this mark. When God looks down from heaven, if you'll just give me some poetic liberty here, he sees a sparkle on us like this. It just kind of work with me here. Have you ever uh, uh, just like this? this, Just see this like this. you ever seen a coin sparkling uh, from a distance or... If, if the light is hitting somebody's watch and it, it's shining on the ceiling and you're kind of like, where's that coming from? Every single one of you have a seal, a mark. And when the Lord looks at the earth, He sees these diamonds, if you will, sparkled. He knows whose are His. And so you are marked by God. I know you've already said it, but say it again. Say, I'm marked. You've got the mark of God on you. Isn't that exciting? You've got the mark of God. I was talking to Isaiah, and I said, I, I think these, these people are Christians, I was talking about. I said, they kind of have that mark on them. And he started laughing. You ever meet somebody that's just got that mark? Some of my favorite th- times is when I go to the grocery store, like H-E-B, and there's somebody checking, checking me out. Not like checking me out, but... <laughs> checking my groceries out i don't know how you say that scanning my groceries okay and uh and i'll just say to them i don't even say i just say what church do you go to i don't have to say do you go to church i can tell by looking at them they go to church do you know what i'm talking about you just say what church sometimes i meet people in the lobby and, and i know they they were they've been going to church before they were born right you can just they were in their mother's womb going to church you can just see it in their eyes have you ever met anybody like that you can just tell and and you can just look at them and say you've been going to church before you were born weren't you And first of all, they look at you like you're crazy. And then you explain yourself. And they're like, yeah, 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 that was me. But people who are marked, there's certain things that you can just, there's three attributes that Paul brings out in this chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to go through those three things. Um, First, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Timothy, my dear son, Paul is writing this, be strong through the grave. Be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. So we are marked by strength. You can write we are strong. Just write strong down. Okay, we're people who have been marked by God are strong. Now, how are we strong? Are we strong in our own might? Absolutely not. We are strong through grace. Now, let me give you an example. It's kind of a silly example, but you'll get the point. Um, I went through a season of my life where uh, I was addicted to those 99-cent tacos from Jack in the Box. <laughs> raise your hand if you've ever had those tacos. All right, now uh, uh, raise your hand if you've ever been addicted to those tacos. Come on, let's be honest here. I'm. Uh, thank you. I'll see your hands up high. Have you ever ordered like ten of them and just pounded all ten? No problem. I, I can just, our camera guy was like, "Read to count me in too, Pastor. Uh, just pounding in those things. And, uh, there's there is something else. Uh, these uh, little uh, candy bars, whatchamacallits. Have you ever had a whatchamacallit candy bar? Those things, there's like crack in those things. You, you eat one and you gotta have a hundred of them. Uh, I I go through these little seasons and and I've been through these seasons Now, when I go, when I look back at Jack in the Box, I think to myself, I can't believe I was addicted to that. That's like dog food. (laughs) If you ever look back and say, I can't believe I was addicted to that. uh, Are you with me? I I cannot believe. I know some of you are still addicted to it, so just just work with me. But think about, have you ever looked back on the Jack in the Box tacos and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was addicted. How gross is that? Have you ever looked back on anything that you're addicted to, not just tacos, anything that you're not addicted to right now, okay? And you look back on it and you go, I can't believe I was addicted to that. So there once was a time where you had to have it, and now you're in a season of your life where it just looks ridiculous. Well, what happened between the two? Your appetite changed. Okay, your appetite changed. And when your appetite changes, it's not even a struggle anymore to say no because you just don't like it right and so what this is saying what paul is telling timothy is he saying hey be strong through grace don't just be strong because there sometimes our strength is not strong enough have you ever wanted to stop doing something that you can't i i can't stop. I would like to stop. I just can't stop. And then to imagine stopping seems impossible. And that's why Paul is saying this to Timothy. He's saying, look, there, your strength is not what you're going to be able to lean on. You, your strength is through grace. In other words, the strength that you're going to need is going to come from God. And when you receive it, it's going to be like, wow, I can't believe that was ever even a struggle for me. So when we're in a situation where we need strength to get over being depressed, if you've ever been depressed... Imagining not being depressed feels like that's impossible. If you're addicted to food or drugs or alcohol and... and Food is just as much of a drug as we found out when I talked about Oreos. Uh, Probably my most popular sermon ever. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, if you're addicted to food, drugs, alcohol, uh, pornography, anything. Addicted to anger. You you can't go one day without getting angry. Uh, I I talked with somebody recently just addicted to tears. Cry when they're happy. Cried when they're mad. Just got to cry. It's... To imagine changing, imagine getting out of that season. It seems like it's impossible in your own strength. But when God's grace, what is grace? Grace is strength exactly where you're weak. Okay? So when we say, I've said this before, God, I need your mercy and I need your grace, those are not the same things. Mercy forgives, grace empowers. All right, so when you're saying, I don't want to say I'm sorry, God, because I know I'm just going to do it again, mercy forgives you, grace helps you not do it again. All right, so what Paul's saying here is be strong through grace. So the next time you're looking at a weakness and you're saying, I'm not strong enough to overcome this, Uh, here's another example. I feel like the Lord just put this on my heart. If you're so angry with somebody, you can't forgive them. If you're you're so mad, you can't stop being mad. These things, how do you... In your own strength, you can't. And those are the moments that you say, I need your grace. I need strength that's bigger than me. Someone say, "I got that." Got All right. So the first characteristic of being marked by God is strength, being strong. And number two, let's read about it. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two: "You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses." Now, he's talking to Timothy teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others so what's the second characteristic that we're marked by we teach we share we tell other people there's um we're considered an evangelical church okay we're evangelical Some of you have no idea what that means, and that's totally okay, because I'm going to tell you, okay? Evangelical means we evangelize. That's what evangelical means. So evangelical people want to get other people to join their church. That's what evangelical means. Now, typically, typically, a Catholic church is not evangelical, just to draw a contrast. Typically, not all of them. Typically, usually speaking, you don't see Catholics out evangelizing to get people to become Catholics. Do you understand what I'm saying? Catholics breed Catholics. (laughs) Right? How many of you are Catholic right now? And you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many of you used to be Catholic and you know what I'm talking about? You're born and you find out that you're Catholic. <laughs> In Catholic churches, there's the great grandmother, the grandmother, the daughter, the daughter, the, gr- the granddaughter. The, the whole family is all the way across. The, and if you ever leave it, you are excommunicated from the family. <laughs> not really, but really. <laughs> <laughs> right? But typically, Catholics are not like. You know, trying to get people to join the faith because that's not considered evangelical. You and I are not only evangelical by name, but evangelical by mandate. People who do not share their faith are actually being disobedient. This is why whenever I go to uh, my son's little league, I'm headhunting people to invite to church. I'm head hunting them. My head is on a swivel. I ask myself all the time, Frankie, when was the last time you brought somebody to church? When was the last time you brought someone to church? Just because I'm the senior pastor, that doesn't mean I get to delegate that responsibility. This is so important. So so Paul is saying to Timothy, he goes, pass this on. Pass it on. Share it. Pass it on. You know, I was talking with uh, with these different people that I've gotten to know. And, you know, when they're struggling with their marriage, they don't know what to do. Whenever they don't have a, a job, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. They don't know that prayer every Psalms 56, 9. You guys know it by now. Every time you pray, the tide of your battle turns. They don't know that when you pray, the battle turns. They don't know that. And so they're stuck in these seasons and nobody's telling them. It's our responsibility to tell them. And here's the thing if you do what I can't do, I'll do what's uncomfortable for you to do. Let me explain what that means. I can't invite your family. I can't invite your friends. I don't know them. But it's very uncomfortable for you to look at your friends and to look at your family and say, hey, let's pray. Let's invite Jesus into your life and into your world. That's very uncomfortable for you. So if you do what I can't do, I'll do what's uncomfortable for you to do. We'll work together. Now here's the thing. If we are going to share, if we're going to invite people to church, if we're going to do this, we got to be careful not to get distracted. In the number one way that I see all of us getting distracted, if you don't mind me saying that, the number one way is discussions conversations. Let me illustrate this. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says, soldiers, I love that Paul calls us soldiers. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Now, what does that mean? Imagine we send um, some Navy seals to Iraq or Afghanistan and or, or an army unit um, over to Afghanistan, and they're there for let's say nine months. They're there to do a job. they're there to fight, they're there to defend. Now, if while they're there, they start getting caught up in civilian affairs, meaning they start making friends with the locals, and then they start arguing about things having to do with what's going on locally. They're arguing. Oh, did you hear what Susie said? Oh, my goodness. I can't believe. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear what Charlie said? Oh, my goodness. Oh. the other soldiers in the unit would look at them and go, dude, what are you doing, man? We're here, we're among them, but you're getting involved in civilian affairs. I mean, you're getting mad at people for not mowing their grass. That's civilian stuff. What are you doing? Could you imagine our soldiers going to getting upset about the traffic? In Afghanistan? Going to PTO meetings in Afghanistan? Can you imagine that? You don't get involved in civilian affairs. You, soldiers stay focused on what they're there to do. And so, what Paul is telling Timothy is he's saying, Look, you're a soldier. Don't get involved in civilian affairs. Now, how do we know when you and I are getting involved in civilian affairs? We know we've gotten involved in civilian affairs when we're doing something or saying something that would make bringing Jesus up awkward later on. Did I get that point across? I feel like I missed that one. Thank you. Let me try that again. All right. So if if I just met Isaiah, and Isaiah and I get into a conversation, and I start saying things or doing things and acting a certain way, and then the next day I come up to him and I go, Hey, man, I want you to come to church with me. If he looks back at me, he's like, what? That makes no sense. Because yesterday you were talking like this and acting like this. And today you're inviting me to church. I'm completely confused. The fact that he's completely confused tells me that I got involved in civilian affairs the day before. And I started talking at a level that I shouldn't have been at. Was that close? Let me try to swing at that again. If there's some people in my family that don't go to church and I want them to go to church, but I start arguing with them and I'm a jerk to them and I'm an irritant to them and I I think that that's okay because they're a jerk to me. This is all hypothetical, of course. (laughs) They're a jerk to me. So if you're going to be a jerk to me, I'm going to be a jerk to you. Now, If I if it's ever uncomfortable for me to start talking about God because it doesn't fit, because I was just being a jerk before, I'm getting involved in civilian affairs. So when people bring things up, that's gonna I need something's got to go off in my head that says don't get tangled up in that conversation. Sometimes I'll even say it out this way. Frankie, don't get sucked into that. Don't get sucked into that. that. That's a conversation I don't need to be in. Don't get sucked into that. Um, my, my brother doesn't listen to my podcast, so I can get away with this. Um, my other brother. Uh, he called up and he said, I think me and dad are arguing right now. He texted me and said, I think me and my dad are arguing and so he calls me up to tell me about the argument. Well, I always side with my dad. Always. Right? Well, in this particular case, my dad was right. Even if he was wrong, I was still going to side with my dad. But my dad was right. And so my brother starts telling me his position. And I could feel him trying to pull me in to his position. And has anyone ever done that to you? And so now he's going to make it awkward for me because now I'm going to have to choose between my dad and my brother. And in my head, I'm like, you're not going to suck me into this. Do you know what I'm saying? That's civilian affairs. I'm not going to get sucked into this discussion. I'm not going to get sucked into this argument. Am I getting... if I hit that? If I beat it to death enough? I think i will beat it four different ways. In 2 Timothy chapter 10... It says, so I, am un, so I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Jesus Christ to those God has chosen. Uh, look, me teaching and me spreading good things and inviting people to church, I'm willing to endure anything as long as I'm able to be effective in that area. Here's another point in 2 Timothy 2, verse 14. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. People who argue don't get sucked into that. They're either going to argue with you, against you, for you, how many people you can recognize and argue a mile away? It's like if you don't argue with me, you could argue with that wall if you wanted to. Right? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Watch this. This kind of talk spreads like cancer. It spreads like cancer. You know, I pray people out of our church. (laughs) Do you know why our church is so awesome? Because there's no jerks here. (laughs) Sometimes I meet a jerk and I'll say, Dear God, change them or move them. And, and a lot of times they get changed. There's people here tonight that you used to be a jerk, but I prayed for you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was just wide open. It, I prayed for you. Your wife told me to pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, people just Change. People just change. And then there's some people that just stopped going to church here. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is true. I really pray, God, change them or move them. Change them. We have a beautiful family here. A beautiful family. We, we have uh, that Jesus is the shepherd of our house. And he watches every person who walks in. Every single person who walks in. And he's going to protect this house. And when people come in, he wants to change them. And if they're not going to change, he's going to move them out. He's going to protect you. He's gonna, there, there's a reason why this is one of the best churches most of us have ever been a part of. You know why? We don't have gossip people here. Have you noticed that? We don't have circles here. We don't have gossip clicks here. Have you noticed that? Wave your hand if you've noticed that. We just don't have that here. It's just awesome. There, there is no... Better hierarchy here. There is none of that stuff. You know, here we don't care what kind of car you drive. Do <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it, we have a loving family here, and and so, the, it, but people, The reason why the Lord moves them is because it spreads like a cancer. You got to get out. Got to get out. So these are things that distracts us from teaching. So the markings are: number one is we're strong. Number two, we teach. Number three is we work. We work. Let me show you what I mean. Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen. It says, "Work hard, so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker." One who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. It says to be a good worker. Now let me ask you a question. Who decides whether or not a worker is a good worker or not? Go ahead. You're right. Say it. Who decides? The boss decides. have you ever seen somebody say, I'm a good worker? And then you wonder, I wonder what your boss would say about that. I, I wonder what the other employees say about that. You know, um, I, I used to think I was a really good waiter. I waited rest at, at like 21 different restaurants. Don't ask me why, it's a long story. But 20, I got fired a lot, okay? Um <laughs> Between the ages of 16, no, 18 and 21, I got fired like so many times I can't even count. I just got fired. They're so picky about showing up on time. They're just picky, 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 picky. Um, they want you to call in if you want to miss. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so picky. Um, so, <laughs> so I used to think I was a really good waiter. I used to think I was an awesome waiter. I would tell people, I'm I'm probably the best waiter in this city. But my tips were never really that good. I didn't understand why my tips, I didn't know, I I didn't know, I didn't understand why my tips weren't good. I, I was the greatest waiter in the world, in my opinion. In those days, I never had any money. So I never went to restaurants that had a waiter. I always went to restaurants with no waiter, like Burger King, McDonald's, Jack in a Box, 99-cent tacos. So now that I'm older and I can go to a restaurant with a waiter, I realize now that I was not a good waiter. <laughs> See, a, a good waiter, you, you forget they're there. Do you know what I'm saying? You just there's always drink in your drink. Drink in your drink. That sounds funny. There's always there's always you never run out of your drink. It's always full. You're never looking around for a napkin. You've always got napkins. You never have to call them over. They show up and they just kind of leave. They just and you just like man. We didn't need. I was able to really enjoy this conversation with the people I was with. I didn't know that. I thought I was the entertainment for the evening. <laughs> I'd show up, and I'm like, Hey, guys, welcome to Carabas. How you doing? It's good to see you guys. Man, my name is Frankie. Hey, what? They didn't want that. They're looking at me like, Dude, what are you on? I didn't know that they didn't want me talking to them the whole time. I, I pulled up chairs at the table many times. <laughs> Many times. I thought they were loving that. They wanted me to get lost. And so I couldn't figure out I wasn't good. So who decides whether or not someone is a good worker or not? Is it the person who says, I'm a good worker? No. The person who decides whether or not... I kind of like this point. I might bring it up again on Sunday. The person who decides who who's a good worker and who's not a good worker is, number one, the employee number two the co-workers and number three the person who's being served right so let me ask you are you a good worker i know what you're thinking what arena are we talking about here that's a good question so let's just kind of go down the list are you a good worker at your job i would have to ask your boss and your clients and your co-workers that question what would your co say? Are you a good worker as a spouse? Because we all know that you spell love, W-O-R-K. It's work. Do you know how we know it's work? Because in order to really love, you're constantly doing things that you don't feel like doing. Do you really feel like doing the dishes? Do you feel like emptying the dishwasher? Do you feel like vacuuming? Do you feel like saying, no, honey, I'll do the socks, I'll fold the laundry? Do you feel like doing any of that stuff? Do you feel like saying, no, don't get up, I'll get the coffee? Do you feel like doing any of that stuff? Yes. (laughs) That was good. Where'd my notes go? Yes, I do. I love serving my wife. I love it. Do you feel like doing any of that stuff? No, no, no. No, don't go to the grocery store. I'll go to the grocery store. Do you really want to go to H-E-B that bad? Do you feel like doing any of those things? See, the love goes away. The marriage falls apart when you start saying, I don't feel like doing that stuff anymore. Or... I'm doing more than what you're doing. You start keeping track. You start. I'm working more than you're working. So, what he's saying here is, don't be ashamed. And so, what if we could find out how well you're working? Like none of us really know. But what if we could find out? How well do you work as a parent? No, you can't tell me. I remember a guy, I remember I looked at a guy and said, You're a good dad. He goes, No, I'm not. I am a great dad. <laughs> I was like, You know what? You probably are if you say that. Wouldn't you know about four years later, I found out some things. I'm like, Dude, you're a terrible dad. You can't tell me you're a great dad. That's not, you. Other people have to tell me you're a great dad. Right? And so when the truth comes out, Deep down inside, we all know the truth, right? When the truth comes out, are we ashamed? Where are you guys? Are we ashamed of what kind of spouse we are? Are we ashamed? Do we work good? Are we a good worker at home? Are we a good worker with our friends and family? Are we a good worker? If the truth were to come out, And it will come out. Are we a a good worker? So what what Paul is saying here is he's saying, okay, look, Timothy, here's the thing. We are marked by God. We are all marked. We we are marked. We are strong. We, we, We are strong through the grace of God. Not our own strength. It's not by might. The, the, the race is not given to the swift nor the war to the strong. It's through our grace. So we're strong, we teach, we work. We're, we're, we, we realize that, hey, we serve and we work hard. And the very last one is we listen. Isaiah you can come on up. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 it says this, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. It must turn away. See there's a, a grace message out there that is so wrong. See, grace is supposed to give us strength to stop sinning, not give us license to continue sinning. Absolutely. So what this is saying is the Lord knows who are his. And and, and when, when you are his, we've got to listen to the word of God. And the Bible says that his, his word is not on stone anymore. It's inscribed on our heart. We got to listen to the word of God and listen to what, what's on our heart. And when he says, stop, and, and we know what that sounds like. You know why? Because the Bible says that sheep know his voice. The so sheep knows the shepherd's voice. And I recently found out something about that. Uh, in, in ancient days, during biblical times, a lot of times shepherds can afford their own barn. And afford their own pasture. That's a lot of money to have acres of land and to have a barn. That 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 takes a lot of money. So a lot of times shepherds can afford all that land in the barn. So what they would do is that they would they would come together and they would buy a huge piece of property and they would move their sheep around and share the property and they all would also share the barn. And so if I have 200 sheep and you have 200 sheep and Robert has 200 sheep and Crystal has 200 sheep and we're all going to put our 200 sheep underneath one barn, we all push them in there and now when I need my 200 sheep to come out and there's six or 800 sheep under this barn, how do they know when to come out? Well, what would happen is the shepherd would walk in and he would start talking. And the shepherd recognize the sheep recognizes the shepherd's voice. And so he would start saying, all right, come on, let's go, let's go, come on. And they would follow the shepherd out. And the next shepherd would come in and he'd come get his sheep out. The sheep knew the shepherd's voice. And I want to let you know, I want to just be your, your confidence for a second. Sometimes we say to each other, I wish I knew when God is talking to me. You do. Don't doubt it anymore. You do. You do. You say, well, I've been wrong a few times. But you're right most of the time. Well, I don't know what God wants me to do. No, but you know what He wants you to do next. It's, that's very Interesting. I don't know God's whole plan for me, but I know what I'm supposed to do today. Isn't that interesting? I don't know what God wants me to do with this, but I know what I'm supposed to do today. And when God says, This is what I need you to do today, you hear His voice and you respond. You hear His voice and you respond. And, and that's the, the fourth trait of people who are marked by God. So in conclusion. We're strong. We teach. We work. And we listen. We're strong. We teach. We work. And we listen. Let's say that together. We're strong. We teach, we work, and we listen. One more time. We're strong. We teach, we work, and we listen.